everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. Thank you, guys. Maybe seated. Yeah. Yeah, they deserve it. They deserve it. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Good? Blessed. Blessed. Amen. Hey, i um, thankful to be with you guys this morning. Uh, if you don't know who I am, just want to introduce myself quickly. Hi, my name is uh, Brian. I'm the pastor here for the high school. Thank you so much for being, us, uh, being here with us this morning. Uh, if you're new here, thank you for coming. You're very welcome to be here. Uh, hopefully I get to see you again. If I don't know you, if I've never introduced myself, um, I try to get around in the morning, but if I haven't gotten the chance to come find me afterwards, I'd love to get to know you just a little bit before you head out today. Uh, nonetheless, we do want to continue our series today. We're going to continue talking about the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, we're closing the series today. We're coming to the end of the study. Uh, we're finalizing the last commandments here, understanding what they mean, what they represent to us, as well as m- what they meant to the people of God then when he gave it to them. Uh, this morning, before we start, we're going to do a little quick illustration. Um, <laughs> yes, if you thought we weren't going to do it this last time, you were very mistaken. If this is your first time witnessing this, hopefully this helps. And also, I'm sorry, but we're going to create, or we have created this uh, little alliteration to help you remember what the Ten Commandments are and remember them in order. Some of them may be a stretch, some of them might be a little goofy. Bear with me. I didn't create it. Um, I'm just co-signing it, and some of the things uh, are, are a stretch, but use your imagination, if you will. Uh, the first commandment, uh, anybody know what it is? You should know what it is. Yes. God is number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Um, again, it's pretty straightforward. If you're thinking about the number one, you think about a priority, Right? the number one spot, right? He's on a pedestal, on a, on, on a place and position of his own. That's, that's what God calls us to do, and that's the beginning of the Ten Commandments. We find that in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, what will be today, but that's number one. Very straightforward. There is one that follows it um, and is really tied to it pretty closely. It's a result. If God is number one, then this one should be um, pretty like I said, pretty obvious. Number two is you shall have no idols, right? An idol would be something that takes the center position of your life. It's what your world revolves around, right? Imagine the sun, right? With all the planets spinning around. Imagine if the earth is like, you know what? I want to be at the center. Everything falls apart. The sun is at the root of all things, right? And and in this sense, again, God is saying, hey, I need to be at the middle, I need to be the priority, I need to be the center. Not any idol that we might have. You know, that might be several different things for different people. It might be something tangible, a possession that you might be chasing for, or success, or even a a person, a feeling, whatever it may be. God says, all those idols, they should not come before me. Right, and for number two, the way you remember this is, this kind of looks like an individual on, on their knees, bowing, again, 
Use your imagination here, but this is pretty straightforward. If you were to imagine somebody on their knees, they got to be facing one direction specifically for it to really look like a two, but um, that's what number two is. Number three, anybody remember what number three is? Yet you should not take the Lord's name in vain. You might have heard blasphemy. You're like, well, exactly. Blasphemy is, is that, right? It's taking the Lord's name in vain. And that also means a few other things, right? Um, but blasphemy is one of them. The way we get that is because the number three, if you put this line behind it, it looks like the letter B. And it helps you get to the place where you're like, blasphemy. Well, there it is. Number three, do not take the Lord's name in vain. We talked about this a few weeks ago. The number four, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Why is it that? Well, if you flick it, all of a sudden it turns around and it becomes a chair. Now, what do you do on a chair? You sit and you rest. That's the day of, uh, uh, that's the Sabbath day. It's the day of rest. And so that's how you remember it. Number four, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Number five, Honor your father and mother. And for some of you that are brand new, you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, focus on this right here. What does this look like? This looks like a a belly. Uh, It looks like a pregnant belly. And when you think of this, so let's say you were to make the five, you'd make that, that even bigger. It starts to become more obvious where this is going. But when you think of this, you think of the number five because five is the only commandment that talks about specifically your parents. Honor your father and your mother, right? When you see that big belly, you're thinking of, of course, um, a baby. You're thinking about your mother. And when you think about your parents, you think of this commandment, number five. Number six, this one is pretty straightforward. Number six, you shall not murder. We talked about this one last week. You shall not murder. There's a saying called six feet under. You ever heard that? Six feet under? What, it, what does it mean to be six feet under? It means Dead. Exactly. So number six, you shall not murder. That's how you get to that one. This one, again, is one of the ones you really got to use your imagination. Number seven. Now, if you move some lines around, you end up with the letter A. You shall not commit adultery. Yes, yes, some of you might be looking at me sideways. Again, I didn't create this. Um, Just know, again, this kind of looks like the letter A. And if you can somehow get to a place where that's what you think of when you think of the number seven, you can get to adultery. Those are the two we talked about last week, all right? This week, this week, bear with me, we're going to be talking about three. We were going to be talking about stealing number eight last week, but we got caught up. I spent a lot of time really focusing on these two commandments that are really important. Yeah, two weeks ago. But this week, we're going to be talking about 8, 9, and 10. Number 8, I gave it away, but it's stealing. I used to do this all the time when I was young. Right? It's, a, it's an S, but also looks exactly like an 8. Um, if you take two S's, you were to put them back to back, all of a sudden, you're left with the number 8 as well. Now, why, why I say this, I just want you to become synonymous, right? With, well, I want... The letter S becomes synonymous with the number eight for you when you're thinking of the commandment. So you think of stealing when you think of the number eight. That's the order in which you remember it. Now, stealing. We're going to talk about that today. Nine. This one is really bad. We use a, uh, <laughs> the illustration here is this looks kind of like a microphone. Somebody 
somebody would speak into a microphone and they would what? What is number nine? You shall not bear false witness, right? And we'll talk about what that means. Um, but bear false witness. Now, one of the things I heard where I was thinking about ways to improve this, it also kind of looks like, I mean, a hammer in some way, right? But if you've ever been, if you've ever been to a court case, if you've, ever been to, if you've ever seen any law thing, it kind of looks like a mallet, right? When you would pound something, hey, order in the court, order in the court. It kind of looks like a hammer or a mallet kind of thing, Some, an object you would, you would slam down. Whatever it is, whatever helps you get to the place of do not bear false witness, whether it's speaking to a microphone, right, lying, proclaiming something that is false, hiding, masking the truth, or even perjury in the sense of a court case, right, lying in a, in a court of law, right, thinking of law, thinking of that situation when you're supposed to speak the truth under oath, right, Breaking that, bearing false witness. Those are ways to associate the number nine with bearing false witness. And lastly, let's speed this up so we can actually get into what's important. Number 10. When something is 10 out of 10, it's really good. What is number 10? Thou shalt not covet. Usually when something is nice, we like it. We want it. If something is a one out of 10, there's a good chance you're not going to covet that. You're not going to want that for your life. It's not going to be something you desire. Usually, when something is 10 out of 10, you tend to then lust after those things, to desire those things, right? You think that it's good, and that's what you want. And we're going to talk about what that means, but that is tied to coveting. Do not covet. You shall not covet. Those are the 10. Hopefully, those stick in your mind. As crazy as they may be, Part of that actually is a good thing, helps you to remember the Ten Commandments. Again, just important for us to know, important for us to keep in mind. Um, and this way you get to remember what order they're actually in as well. Now, today, as I mentioned already, we're going to talk about 8, 9, and 10. Um, quickly go over stealing here and then get into the last two, but... Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Again, that's where we're going every morning to find, again, the context in which uh, God delivers these commandments to the people of Israel. And here, in verses 19 through 21, God is giving these specific commands. He says in verse 19 of chapter 5, You shall not steal. Verse 20, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. 21, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Again, you shall not covet. So today, again, as we go through each one of these, I want to help us understand what these mean, what these imply to us. Um, Starting with command number eight, uh, I touched on this a little bit last week, but didn't really get to fully expound on it, but commandment number eight is you shall not steal. Let me start off this morning by asking you this. Why do you think people steal? Why do you think people steal? In terms of, somebody said money, right? Well, you don't necessarily have to steal money every time, but people do steal money because they have a need, right? They have a need Maybe it's even more than that. There's fear, anxiety. They want to meet that. Envy, jealousy. Anything else? One more. Just give me one more. Why do people steal? 
maybe why, I'm not asking you specifically, but why would somebody steal? Because you want it? All right, well, here are some other potential reasons why people steal, or maybe I might highlight some of the things you said already. People might steal because they simply enjoy it. There's this excitement or this rush that's attached to it. It, for some reason, is alluring, enticing, and people, once they steal, want to keep doing it, right? Um, maybe it is because jealousy, envy. Somebody mentioned, uh, Jaden, I think you said that, but perhaps it's because you're persuaded into doing so. Maybe your friends are like, yo, steal that. Or, hey, can you get that? Can you steal that for us? And because you succumb to um, what your peers want or because you want them to like you or for whatever reason you do it, right? Maybe it is because of pressure. Maybe it's those external pressures that convince you that you need to steal something, to gain something that you don't have or to cheat your way to something, to attain something that's not yours or unjustly. Uh, If I'm being open and honest with you, I think that's where I categorize myself. I think, again, if I'm being blunt this morning, I think all of us to some extent have experienced stealing. I think at some level we have stolen something that is not ours, or at least had the desire to do so. And again, as we see, as Jesus highlights, these things are heart issues as well. So uh, we're not uh, guiltless when it comes to these commandments even if you've not taken a possession. But I want us to also think that stealing doesn't just have to be something tangible, like stealing somebody's phone or somebody's car or whatever, something that they have that you can touch and grasp. But I would say for me, one of the things that I dealed with when I was at your age, that I struggled with, was cheating. And you may think, well, how is those things synonymous with each other? Well, uh, I, I probably did that more than I would like to admit when I was in your shoes, right? When I was in school, a lot of the times I would steal, whether it was from my friend, whether it was from the person that was closest to me, whether it was from, uh, from somebody online, right? Plagiarism, all that stuff. You might not think of it this way, right? You might think of stealing in the, te- in the context that somebody over here said money, somebody going to a bank saying, hey, put your hands up. But that's not just what we're talking about here. You know, it, it means to not put in the effort, not put in the work to steal something unfairly, unjustly. And that's what I want us to think about as well because there's a good chance that Nobody here has really stolen anything grand. And you might think that something small like that is not an issue. Trust me, it is. And it breaks this commandment. The reason we steal is often because we want something, because we think we need it. And somebody said it again, the reason people steal is because they want something they don't have. But I want us to look at God to remind ourselves that as David says in Psalm 23, God, he is our good shepherd, and he provides for us. He sustains us. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God provides. He provides all that you need. Sometimes that we might feel inclined to steal, we might desire something, want it. Um, I wanna encourage you to know that 
as your shepherd, he knows the enemy's temptation. He knows the right path, Ethan. And also, he will take care of you. He will provide for you. If you don't have something, there's a good chance you probably don't need it. Or if you don't have something, it's probably because you didn't put the effort to deserve it. That was definitely my case in school. I wanted to cheat the system, work around it, scheme my way through, right? Maybe it was because of fear that you stole. It certainly was for me. I, I, I knew there was a grade and a standard that I wanted to achieve because I wanted to go to the school I wanted to go to. I wanted things, but I didn't want to work for those things, and so I stole. Maybe I feared as well my parents. I knew what would come if my parents found out I didn't have good grades, and so I would cheat to avoid getting into any, any trouble. And that might be you. There might be a variety of different reasons why or excuses why you give yourself, but each and every one of them is incorrect, is wrong. It's a sin. There's a, solu- Sorry, there's a solution here in Ephesians for why we shouldn't steal or how we shouldn't steal. Why we can avoid doing it or how we can avoid doing it better yet. Ephesians 4, 28, it'll be on the screen. It says this, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. Right, so instead of stealing, work, put in the effort. Put in the time. Instead of stealing and not deserving something, right? Again, I mentioned this before. If you don't have it, it's probably because, one, you don't need it, or you haven't taken the time. In Ephesians here, we see, again, let him labor, working with his hands what is good. But also, I think here, something incredibly interesting, and it applies really to all the other commandments as well, is that at the second half, we see that he may, be, he may, he may have something to give who has need. And so, essentially here, the attitude we should have is not just, hey, I shouldn't steal. But it should also be, hey, I shouldn't just not steal, but I should also be generous and thankful. These are the things that help combat against these desires. The problem with us, and most of us, all of us to some extent, and maybe some of us more than others, is that we don't think necessarily about what God has given us, but we spend more time thinking about what we don't have. Instead of thinking and, and being grateful about what God has given you, you only ponder the things, well, what if I had this? Or what would this be like if I had this? We spend so much time thinking about that, but here instead, Jesus, as we already read in Matthew, as he's talking to these uh, Pharisees, he's talking to this audience, he raises the commandments to a higher level. It's not just about taking the negative prohibition, right? All these commands, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Okay, well, as long as I don't do this, then I'm okay. As long as I don't do that, then I'm good. But as a believer, as you're following these, it's not not just doing these, it's then pivoting and doing the opposite. If it says, hey, don't steal, all right, I'm not gonna steal, but I'm also gonna live radically generous. I'm gonna be able to give open-handedly, uh, open-handedly to those that need it. I'm not gonna steal, I'm gonna give. And the same applies for every single commandment. When you read even the commandments that we're gonna be talking about here in just a second, commandment number nine, um, and even commandment, well, 
I'll backtrack for a second here. Commandment number six and seven, the ones we talked about two weeks ago. I'm not just going to not commit adultery. I'm going to understand what it means to be faithful to an individual, to a man or a woman. What it means to be in a marriage, the commitment that it means. I'm going to understand that that's a covenant between a man and a woman. And I'm going to abide by that, adhere to that, understand what sexuality really means. Not just what the world says it is, but what God designed it to be. I'm not just going to also um, not just commit adultery, but I'm also not going to murder. I'm not going to murder, sure, that's fine, but I'm also going to radically love others. It's not just not doing the negative, it's then doing the positive that comes along with it. And as we talk about number 9 and 10, we see in 9, as we already talked about this morning, do not bear false witness. I'm not just not going to lie, I'm going to speak the truth in love. And number 10, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna covet, but I'm also gonna be content in what God has given me. There's a, there's a positive that follows that negative prohibition. And it goes along with every commandment. So let me get into number nine real quick and then get into number 10 as we close out this series. Number nine, again, you shall not bear false witness. Uh, specifically here, the verse says, against your neighbor. Uh, anybody here have siblings? Raise your hand real quick. Awesome. Um, and to be fair, you really don't even need siblings to so understand where I'm going with this. Um, growing up, everybody here, you can probably think of individuals who you really got along with. Your childhood best friends, people you love being around. You have amazing memories with them. You spent countless time together and you have really good memories, fond memories of things that you did you'll never forget. Um, whether it's a close friend, cousin, brother, sister, whatever it is. Those same people, though, you also have memories of you guys doing some pretty stupid things with. Some pretty silly things, getting in trouble with them. Yes, I know what you're, talk yes, I know what you're talking about, Pastor Brian. I can relate. All of us can. Um, I personally think most about my brother, my older brother. You know, I can, I, I can think about my cousin, friends that I got into situations like that with, but my older brother, that would happen to us all the time, especially with our younger siblings. So me and my older brother were a few years apart, um, and then I have a younger sister who's six years apart from me, and then 10 years apart from me is my younger brother. And me and my older brother would just destroy my little brother. We made his life a nightmare at times. Um, we would pick on him, mess with him. As an older brother, you kind of know what that's like. I'm not proud of it, but it is what it is. Um, I would mess with him all the time. Me and my brother would conspire against him, trick him, make him run around the house, you know, mess him up or make him punch trees for hours thinking he was training as a Pokemon or whatever he was. Yeah, I don't know. It was, yeah, I would, yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was, a, he was a blast. I love messing with him. He, he did anything that we wanted. Um, and it was great, uh, but it was also messed up. Nonetheless, there were times we might have crossed the line. My little brother would be upset and he would go and tell my dad and my dad would obviously be annoyed at me and my brother. We would get in trouble because we were messing with our younger brother. And obviously, most of the time, if not every single time, whenever we were doing that, we were doing it together. However, once in a blue moon, every once in a while, my dad wouldn't come to both of us, but instead he would go to one of us. My younger brother, for some reason, would put the blame on my older brother or myself, right? It wasn't always the case that it was one or the other, but a lot of the times, you know, he would say, hey, my older brother did this, um, and he wouldn't he wouldn't throw me under the bus or he wouldn't throw my older brother under the bus. And you can think of a situation like this. I'm sure we've all been there. When that happens, 
When it did happen, I knew my place. I kept my mouth shut and didn't say a word. I knew very well that my brother, my older brother, wasn't the only one that gave him a wedgie. I was totally involved. I was there. I was present. We both conspired against him. And I'm just using that as an example. I'm not saying that we did that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but my older brother got thrown on the bus. I didn't. I'm not going to be the one that's going to throw myself under the bus. I'm just going to keep silent. I'm going to find a nice corner of the house and stay there until everything blows over. Then I'll come out, survey the area, make sure everything's okay. Nobody's going to get in trouble. That's what I would do. I'd say silent because I'm, I, I don't want to face the consequences. Let my brother take one for the team. You know, he's the older brother. And then if somehow my dad found me and would approach me, hey, did your older brother do this? I'd be like, yeah, I saw the whole thing. I felt bad for Henry. Um, I couldn't believe he was doing that, man. He should be setting the example. Uh, he's the older brother of the house. It's a shame, but it is what it is. Um, I knew very well that I was lying. I was withholding information that I knew to be true. But I was doing it out of my own benefit. That's what this means, essentially. To bear false witness, it can mean a variety of things. But essentially, what I want you to get to is is this. It's being able to, or it's being willing to tell an untruth, being willing to tell an untruth, or also refraining from telling the truth, affirming the truth. It's not just to lie, but it's also in a way to be silent. Right? Both, in both situations, you're wrong. In both, you're not sharing what's really true, what actually happened. And bearing false witness, right, it can mean a variety of different things. It could be slander. It can be somebody creating, inventing a story to hurt somebody. And we see that today all the time. People fabricating these stories to hurt other people. It's not true, but people have to suffer consequences of these lies for the rest of their lives because people want to hurt someone. And we see that happening in our culture, right? Cancel culture, sure. A lot of the times it's what happens is somebody takes something that somebody has done and runs with it, right? It shows that we're unforgiving. And thank God, God is not like that with us. But a lot of the times, too, it's fabricated stories. They're not even true. And people have to live with the consequences of that for the rest of their lives. Sometimes it's not just slander. It could be maybe a step below that, and I would say one that we are probably more involved in, and that's gossip, tale-bringing, rumors, Right? indulging in some of these stories that we don't even know to be true. We never fact check it. We never do investigating of our own. We just hear it from a friend and we take it as word, uh, uh, take their word for it, take it as truth, and we go on and spread it, right? There was a rumor about some kid that I went to school with that he drank from a water fountain by putting his whole mouth on a water fountain. Um, and I knew this kid. I knew that wasn't true, but that spread like wildfire and people thought that he was an absolute weirdo. Um, but that might seem small and stupid to you, but to him, nobody wants to be known for that. That's not even true. What is he supposed to do about it? But people shared and, and kept telling other people, even though they didn't know if it was fact or not. And we do that all the time. The church in particular is guilty of that and known for that in some ways. I want to tell you, gossip is breaking that commandment, right? We indulge in this. We revel in this. And part of us, in some ways, even enjoys it. 
sharing and talking about these people. And all of us have shared gossip. We have been at the um, expense of it. If you might say, oh, I've never been the subject of any gossip, let me tell you right now, let me break the news to you that's incorrect. Somebody has gossiped about you before. They may have not said it to your face. You may not have never heard about it. You might not even know, but you have. And gossip, it breaks people, destroys people, hurts people. And it's us being dishonest. There's no excuse for it. And there's also no excuse for our silence. Us not speaking up when we do know what's true. Or if we do hear gossip and we just sit around and keep our mouths shut and we don't share what's true and we let these falsities go on. For whatever reason that may be, because we're fearing that we're going to be disliked, because we fear what other people might say, for whatever reason it is, we keep our mouths shut and we don't share what's true. We withhold that information. We are guilty of breaking this law. And the New Testament puts it very simply in Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouths. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. All these sins here that Paul talks about, they're regarded as these little sins, right? That, that us as Christians, we often overlook. The reason being because we sense there is little danger with them. Right, what's wrong with sharing a little lie? What's wrong with saying this and that? It's not going to hurt anybody. Right? Actually, what's actually interesting about it is that if we look at lies for what they are, right, and we kind of overlook the repercussions, immediately at first glance, it also seems that lying is actually quite the opposite. Instead of it bringing repercussions, consequences, lying sometimes we feel it keeps us away from those things. We think, no, Pastor Brian, it's not that important. I'm going to lie. I'm going to do that. And it's not a big deal. It helps me at times. The reason I do it is because I stay away from trouble, like the example I gave, right? I knew my, my dad was going to get in trouble. I knew my dad was going to get mad at me. I was going to get in trouble if I, if I did tell the truth. So why would I be inclined to lie? I want to tell you, there are repercussions for when we lie. Even though you may not see it. Right? The problem with lying is that we think the truth, right, the consequences, the results of it, right, for our actions, we think those consequences are more intense or worse than the ones we actually receive when we lie. But in reality, when we lie, the consequences are much greater the consequence for your lies although you may not see it immediately is something much deeper it costs you much more and that's your heart when you lie when you lie there is a cost and that cost is your heart it's your character it's who you're becoming it's who you're willing to be it's who you do become eventually it all starts with the small lie which snowballs and grows, becomes a habit in your life, and you continue to do it, and you become a person who lies. I know because I was in your shoes. I was like that. I lied so much as a kid, I started lying for no reason. I didn't even have to lie, and I lied. Anybody like that? You ever told a lie, and you have no idea why you lied? Uh, some of my 
some of the examples I can think of as I was preparing for this is my parents would ask me irrelevant questions. There's no consequence, but hey, did you shower yet? Yeah. And I would think to myself, no, I haven't. But it was just natural. Or your friend asked you, hey, did you watch that movie? Yeah, it was a great movie. You never watched the movie, but you said you did. I can't be the only one that has done this. Why does that become something that we do? There's no, you could just say, no, I haven't. But naturally, immediately, your instinct is to go, yes, I have. Why? Because you have lied time and time and time again. And that has become a habit in your life. It's instinct now for you to immediately say yes because you think it's what somebody wants to hear, because you don't want to be left out, and you just default to lying. You don't realize it, but there is an expense when you lie. Lies take a toll on you. Every lie, every small lie leads to another, which leads to another. It becomes easier, and that habit keeps building and building. And in response, in return, it becomes who you are. And, and that is a slippery slope. That is a dangerous road to go down. You become more comfortable lying about bigger and bigger things. And Paul, he warns us and challenges us to put away this old self this part of us, to put away all these old habits like lying, like old clothes, ripped clothes that we throw away, we discard, to throw away those things. We're called to a deeper obedience here, to bridle our tongues, to control it. It's a dangerous thing. In James chapter three, James teaches about this, right? The power of the tongue, the power our mouth has. It has an incredible potential to lift somebody up as we sang this morning it has the potential to praise God but equally it can also be destructive to somebody James chapter 3 it talks about how it is a restless evil and incapable of um, setting a whole person on fire and for that reason we have to bridle our tongues control it with truth put off falsehood put off lying Proverbs chapter 22, or chapter 12, verse 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Meaning again, lies are obscene. God hates them, right? The God of truth loves truth. And so equally, he regards lies as an abomination, as an offense. And then it says, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Those who deal truthfully are his delight. The same God who regards lies as an abomination takes delight in those who value the truth. So I'm actually going to close here, and we'll spend a lot of time talking about coveting because that's a big, big commandment that really wraps this whole thing together and even points back to the beginning. But what I would love for you to take away from this morning, apart from the stealing, right? Instead of stealing, live generously, radically generously. And then also in turn, now as we think about lying, as we think about the capabilities of our tongues and what we can do in terms of speech, what we can even refrain from doing, right? Not just what we say, the lies we say, but the things that we don't say. Here's my encouragement to you. Stop lying and start telling the truth. Stop lying and start telling the truth. I don't care what the consequences may seem like in the beginning, but Pastor Brian, if I tell the truth, I'm gonna get in trouble or this is gonna happen. So be it, because the ramifications of lies, the consequences of you lying are much greater 
Although you don't see it now, they are. Tell the truth. Stop lying. Tell the truth. And also, I'll also end with this. Don't just refrain from distorting the truth. Don't just lie. Stop lying. But also, speak up. If you know something is truth, don't stay silent either. Don't stay silent. You and I need to share truth because our silence can be as false and as misleading as any of the words that we use. Um, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the encouragement this morning with this commandment, Lord. So important for us to really um, highlight and identify in our lives, Lord, the necessity and the importance of speaking truthfully. Um, Lord, I pray, Lord, that our students, Lord, would be characterized as people who are honest and trustworthy, not those who are... um, uh, indulging in falsehoods, sharing misinformation, sharing with, with others at the expense of another, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would be, be honest in our speech, Lord, and also speak up when we know the truth, unashamedly so, not be so concerned about the consequences that are immediate and staring us in the face, Lord, but think more so of what you call us to, the deeper obedience that Paul alludes to. Lord, that we would prioritize you and your commandments as opposed to our own, our own lives, the things that happen to us. Lord, again, just thank you again for all that you have done and continue to do in our lives. I pray that you would be an encouragement to our students, that we would be safe today, be with them as they go. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.